Well, good evening, All Shores. Uh, so honored to have you join us for Ash Wednesday. I want to invite you, if you're here with us in person tonight, to stand and join us. We're just going to start our night off uh, by worshiping and kind of centering our hearts on Christ and, and what he wants to do within us and uh, what he wants to do during this season of Lent as we kind of fix our gaze on the sacrifice he gave, that incredible, incredible selfless sacrifice that we didn't deserve but that he gave nonetheless. So let's sing together in worship. And all I have I count as loss for the joy of knowing you the one who bore my cross I'm letting go of all but Jesus only you
only you, only you, Jesus, Jesus. Only you, only you, Jesus, only you, only you, Jesus, only you. Open up my eyes in 
I trust in you alone and I will not be shaken I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation I will put my trust ourselves in a posture of surrender, in a posture of just calling on his grace and his mercy. And so I just want to challenge you as we sing this next song together to just kind of stretch out and just be honest with God. Maybe you're uh, feeling really good about your relationship with him tonight, but maybe you're in a place of struggle or you're having difficulty connecting with the Lord right now. But what I do know is God wants to meet with you wants to meet with me. He wants to meet with each and every one of us. So let's just sing this song together in unison. And even if you're having difficulty singing this tonight, sing it anyway, because I believe that God wants to meet you right here, right now. Let's sing this together. Jesus, Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth heavens above that I have found more beautiful you are my treasure my great reward I just want to move your heart it's all I want to do 
sing this together. Is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody. Tell me what moves you. Tell me. Let's sing that one more time. Is it a fragrance? Is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a life laid down? Then here I give my vow. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody. Tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Get caught within your gaze 
that is our heart's cry tonight. God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal to each and every one of us. God, the very core of who you are, the very desires of your heart. God, for those of us who may be struggling tonight, God, that, that your love for us, your absolute, oh, uncomparable, infallible love for us, Oh God, this night as we take time to reflect on the sacrifice of your son, the giving of himself freely, Lord, may we be reminded of the gift, God, that you offer to each and every one of us. But Lord, now as we fix our eyes on you, God, we're just praying, will you speak to us tonight? We pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, and we say all together, amen. Well, again, it's so good to have you all here tonight. And I want to invite you, if you're here with us in person, you can find your seat and turn your eyes to the screen. going to happen there. I was a little nervous, like, geez. Pete, you're done. Well, I want to welcome you online and all of you here at our Spring Lake campus, here from Muskegon, from Coopersville and Spring Lake. We can all be together tonight for a journey into a unique season, what we call the season of Lent, and tonight is Ash Wednesday. I'll give a little more explanation to that in a minute, but I want to invite you. It's been a long day, probably for many of you coming from work. I want you to close your eyes, and before I invite you to pray, I just want you to kind of slowly begin breathing out and breathing in, and as you breathe out, begin to let go of your day, and then as you breathe in, just begin to ask God to fill you, just back and forth in the quiet, asking him to let you rest in what he wants to say and do tonight. And then when you've slowed down, just ask him to speak. Tell him you're listening and invite him to speak to you, whatever your posture towards him, towards faith.
you for these times and seasons that you give us. We thank you for the way you have led your church over all of the millennia and centuries. And we simply want to both engage with the church and engage uniquely in our own lives. So Lord, again, as I speak, I ask that anything that I have to say that's not from you, it'll fall to the ground. It'll be forgotten. But I ask that anything from you, Lord, that you would speak, you would prepare us. And uniquely tonight, I pray that you would help us to enter a unique season in these days all the way into Easter. So lead us in that journey. I join with the psalmist and simply ask that you would speak to all of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you saw just a minute ago that we're entering in on Sunday to a series we've titled The Seven Words of Jesus, which are literally seven different phrases, statements he makes on the cross. What we'll be engaging in in this journey towards the cross, the crucifixion, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus. And we begin this on what, throughout the church, all over the world, in all of our history, is known as Ash Wednesday. Now, I would imagine we have varying degrees of familiarity with this day and the season of Lent. If you grew up in a more liturgical environment, particularly the Catholic Church or some of the other movements like Episcopal or Lutheran, you're probably familiar with it. And if nothing else, what you remember is, man, we ate really well the day before, and they called it Fat Tuesday for some reason. And then we hit this, and I just know we had fish on Fridays. I'm not really sure what else we did, but I know our faces got dirty. Like, that's it. For others, it might be meaningful. For others, you might go, I have no idea. Every day is a day. Why do we even do this? And I want to give you a picture hopefully to help us engage in the journey of this season together. One of the things I love when we engage in the history of the church and the life of the church universal and historical is it allows us to stand with the rest of the church and discover something that we don't discover in day-to-day living. So let me just give you a picture, hopefully to help us think of what does this journey mean, what is it about, And in case you don't know, it's considered a 40-day journey. Now, if you're counting, you'll go, wait, it's 46 days to Easter. I'm confused already. And the reason for that is very simply that every Sunday is not considered a fast day, but a feast day. In other words, we always celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, so there's a bit of a pause each week. Now, in case you make a commitment, it doesn't mean, oh, that means every week I'm going to gorge. That's not what that means. We'll come back to that. But the journey is really an image of the journey of Jesus 40 days in the wilderness and the journey of Israel for 40 years, which God tells us is a time of discovery. We kind of discover who we are and who Jesus is, and that's our intention. So a few years ago, uh, the BBC reported a story of a teenage father and his son, a unique series of events that happened. Mr. Clark and his son, Kobe, Uh, We're going through some struggles regularly. In fact, Kobe loved his phone so much, his father became to hate it and hate every time he saw it lifted up and his son's head down, and which was frequent. None of you are familiar with anything like that, right? So he discovered as they were doing a ski trip one time that they had gone somewhere that the Wi-Fi wasn't working, nor was any of the cell towers. And for a short weekend, he had his son's captivated attention. And something shifted just for a few days. And so Mr. Clark got back home and thought, I want more of this. And instead of enjoying it, became more irritated with the regular life he experienced. Well, along the way, he had, the father had decided, I had this dream, and I don't understand the dream, but it was basically to cycle across the country of Mongolia 
It's about 1,400 miles. And he thought, I'm going to ask my son to join me. Now, he asked his teenage son, who initially said, you've got to be kidding me. I don't think those are the words he used, but it's the gist of it. But ultimately, the son went with them. Now, guess what they couldn't bring with them to Mongolia? Their technology didn't come. 30 days they spent crossing this country. In the article, the son reports to the author of the article that during that time, I thought regularly and missed my phone regularly. He was honest. But he said, what happened that I never expected was I actually got to know my dad and discovered things about him I never knew and built a relationship we'd never had. That is at the heart of Lent. That what we do is we let go of some things in order to open ourselves to discovering who the Lord is. And we journey through understanding more about Jesus to discover him and build a deeper relationship with him. That's our intention. Now, I want to give you a few guides as we enter into it. In a sense, oftentimes Ash Wednesday is seen as simply we need to kind of lament and ache, which don't worry, I'll get to that. But the most significant thing is that we prepare ourselves for the journey ahead. That my job tonight is to help you enter a new season. That's what we're doing tonight. We're not having a service. We're entering into a unique season. I love that the church calls days ordinary days and special days. These next 40 days, or 46 if we count all the Sundays, are intended to be special days. And I believe you can discover more of who God is like that young boy discovered more of who his dad is. So I want to take you just to kind of the meaning behind this and several practices that are intended to be used during this season and how we can walk through this together, some things we can grab onto. So first I want to take you, this is to Acts chapter 3, and it just kind of builds the general theme of Lent that is common and the theme we want to have as well. The passage I'm going to show you, Peter, who's one of the earliest followers of Jesus, the earliest disciples, is talking to a bunch of Jewish people and has just been explaining the resurrection of Jesus and all that's happened. And now he's kind of said to them, listen, it was your leaders that did this, but they didn't know any better. And now he's explaining the meaning of what happened and what Jesus did. And he says this. This is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets, saying that Messiah would suffer. Now, what I want to invite you into tonight, as we do, and we'll do this each Sunday when we look at the different statements of Jesus on the cross, is we are going to be invited into better understanding what that means that Jesus suffered and how we better both discover who he is from it and who he calls us to be from it. Like, it's not something we run past and say, I'm glad he did it. It's something we move into and say, what does that mean And how do we engage? And then, basically, Peter gives them an invitation. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In case you're unfamiliar with the practice of Ash Wednesday, we will do this at the end of the service, but you'll get ashes and you'll hear the words, turn from sin and be faithful to the gospel. Always, Lent is considered a time of repentance, meaning what we're doing Like this young teenager did, he set aside his phone 
to engage with his dad. We set aside things. Sometimes it has to do with our appetites. Sometimes it has to do with other things. And we begin not just to say what's distracting us, but what is actually bringing us down, because that's what sin does, in case you don't know. There are things that we choose out of the wrong appetites or things that we do or don't do that are destructive and deadly. That's why it's called sin. It's not a problem. It's sin. And so the invitation in, in Lent is we're actually inviting God, help us to turn from sin. But I don't want you to miss the second half because he says, you'll experience times of refreshing from the Lord. This is the crazy paradox of our faith. The more we understand the depth of our struggle and the depth of our need, the more we find refreshment in the depth of who God is. That's what we want to find out in Lent. And so saying that, I want to give you just a, two handles, two practices that we're going to do through Lent that the church has done over all of its history to help you anchor into how you might do this. In other words, they're kind of the tools we use to take the journey across the 40 days. And so the first one, very simply, is this. It's fasting. Now, in, in case you don't know, it's so funny. I'll have these conversations regularly with people about fasting. And I, I often ask Christians, do you fast? And the ones that do, it's primarily because, yeah, I read this thing about intermittent fasting, and, you know, you do that, and it makes you healthier. I, I fast because it's good for my body. But the spiritual fasting is like that. What is that? And even if we know, we've never thought of it as a regular practice. And in case you don't know, Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. And all of the church in our history has always had fasting as a practice of life. Now, if you're like me, do you ever try to find shortcuts to this? Yes. By the way, the Jews fasted from sundown to sundown, so when the days are shorter, at least I don't fast as long. I mean, that's a little better. I'm not asking you to do that, but that would be a nice out. I want you to consider two things in this. One is somewhere along these 40 days, I want to invite you to some rhythm of actually fasting from food. Now, I know many of you will pick other things, like even what we shared in the story, you're going to pick, I'm not going to use my technology. I'm going to get off media. I'm going to get off those things. And I will say, that's a great thing, and you should do it. But do not say that instead of, do that in addition to. And I would encourage you, even if it's just a meal, if it's a day, once a week, pick some kind of way you can fast. But there's what you don't do, and there's what you discover from it. That's what I want to show you. So remember, this young boy didn't have his phone, but what did he discover? By not having it, he discovered who his dad was, didn't he? And in the same way, the Lord wants us to fast to discover. In case you wonder, why would the church choose fasting? Why has it always been there? Because fasting ties to the most basic impulse we have, which is appetite. And guess what our appetite call draws us to? Sin. Our appetite is at the source of why we do often what we shouldn't. So actually saying, God, I will, I will not use my appetite is a sacrificial way to say, help me not to sin. Now, I want you to see, though, what God promises through it. These are just two psalms that give images. I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. In other words, guess what God promises? Not through your own appetite, but through him. He feeds you. Did you know that? Did you know that God promises to feed you? Here's just another example from Deuteronomy. This is what he says he did in the wilderness. He humbled them with manna to teach you that man doesn't live, humanity doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, we fast not only to let go of our appetites and say, God, help us not to do and long for the wrong things, but we fast to say, God, fill us. In other words, you want to know what the purpose of fasting is? 
It's to sacrifice, but even more, it's to say, fill us. By the way, when we ask God to fill us, who does it? God does. In case you don't know, that means it's a practice that only he can do. We submit by saying, I won't eat, and we say, God, we need you to fill us. Now, I want to give you two simple things you can do in this that we're guiding you through to help you in this process over these 40 days. We gave you these cards when you came in. If you didn't get one, you can on your way out. If you're watching online, there should be a link on the host, from the host. If, if it isn't, go to allshores.org slash and just the word seven, and we have this guide there. This is a guide for you to do a daily practice every day. In other words, I'm fasting, not that you have to fast every day, but in this process, what am I doing to be filled with God? And I'm going to just read the basic of it to you only because if you're like me, you pay very little attention to detail. Anybody else like that? You kind of half see what it is. So for those of you who are remedial like me, I'm going to give you more detail than you need because I don't pay attention either. So basically, the beginning tells us a little about Ash Wednesday and what it is. And here's the Lent challenge. Each day of Lent, except on Sundays, we invite you to set aside a time to do the following things. Begin with five to ten minutes of uninterrupted silence. In other words, just sit before God. Maybe if it'll be two or three to start. There's a daily scripture on the back we want you to read, and then we want you to take time to pause and reflect on what you've read. Now, there are prompts on the back of the card because we ask you to read it three times. What stands out? Second time is what tells you about God. Third time, what does it tell you about yourself? They're very short passages, two, three verses. Then after it tells you to repeat it, at the end, you're going to pray a prayer of confession and finish with some worship. I'm going to walk to why confession in just a minute. That is what we want you to do daily. The other part of the practice of this is fasting and being filled. We want you to engage every Sunday. Each Sunday, we're going through one of these phrases of Jesus on the cross. And guess what? We know God will fill you the more you understand who he is. You're taking a journey with him through this wonderful season. Don't miss the daily practice. Don't miss the weekly. You good with me on that one? You good at home? Good. Glad to hear it. I could hear it from all of you at home too. All right. Let me take you to the second practice. And I mentioned the series already. Let me take you to the second practice, which is confession. What I want you to do is post your confessions to every... I'm just kidding. I don't really want you to do that. Confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. Amen? It's very true. Here's what the scriptures say about it. Psalm, 20, Psalm 32 says, I've acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. In other words, Lord, I told you, I will confess my transgressions, and you forgive the guilt of my sin. Now, we saw that from Peter. He said, Jesus died to forgive the guilt of our sin. Confession is part of the process, and forgiveness is part, but it's incomplete to only think of it. Hear what John says to the church. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, not only to forgive us, it just says to forgive us, but to purify us from all unrighteousness. Guess what happens when we confess? God doesn't just forgive, he changes us. In fasting, he fills us. In confession, he changes us. You get in the picture now? When we teach these different things, you will have moments you need to confess. When you're doing your daily time with the Lord, you will have moments that things will come to mind and you simply confess. And all we can ask is, God, would you change me in the things? There's lots of things I confess to that I'm like, I confessed, I don't feel any different. God, you better change me, I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's some ugliness in my mind and my heart that all I can do is tell God, I don't want this here and forgive me. But then I also want to say, God, change me. We fast and we get filled with him. We confess and we get changed by him. You get in the picture? 
This is the journey that we're on and we discover more of him through it. It's a very simple invitation I'm giving you in this season of Lent. It's very much this. We practice fasting, he fills us. We practice confession, he changes us. And by the way, all this is so we can find and follow Jesus more closely. In other words, we're gonna learn more about him and we're gonna become more like him. That's the journey of this. You see, this young man spent time with his dad to know him more. I bet he grew in likeness with him in the journey. And God invites us in the very same thing in Lent. And that's what I'm inviting you to join us on. And we, as your leaders and servants, are committed to praying for God to meet you in this season. This is not a service. This is an entry into a season and a journey. You with me? Now, the way we want to seal this tonight, very simply, is that I'm going to give you a few minutes, really just about a minute, in quiet. I want to read you a scripture that reminds us of confession because we enter Lent in a posture of confession. Saying, listen, we're, let's agree. In fact, I'm going to actually have to show of hands. Any of you here have sin in your life, messes that you've caused either intentionally or unintentionally by things you've done or haven't done, even in the last week? If so, raise your hand. Amen, I'm with you. We're all with you. Anyone who's not has probably been sleeping or just lived in isolation. So the posture we want to have is one of confession. And, and I just, I want to tell you this for me with confession. I find the more honest I am with God, the more free I live. And it's not as if I just walk away and go, I'm going to keep doing that. It's going, at least for me, the more I confess, the more I want him to change me and the more I want to ache over the things that cause others pain and are destructive in my own life. But you can't do it when you pretend it's not there or when we just say, well, that's just how it is, which is the two postures we have, isn't it? I want you to hear these words from the author of Hebrews. And it speaks an image of the Jewish culture, which is about the priests who interceded for those who had committed sin. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith, faith we profess. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is for you. He's not looking to point out the bad things to get you. He's looking to help letting you see them so he can forgive you and change you. Have courage to just be honest. Now you sit in the quiet, close your eyes, and just even ask God to bring those things to mind and just be honest in the quiet. God, this I confess. And I'm gonna give you about a minute and then I'm gonna invite you, there'll be a prompt on the screen that we'll read together, a way we can confess corporately. So you take a minute in the quiet and do this first. I want to invite you to stand with me now. 
And one of the things we don't, we're not a highly liturgical community at all, but one of the blessings of reading a prayer is we have others help us with the words we can say collectively. And so we're going to read these three different slides of statements together. If you want to put that first one up, uh, and we'll just read them together as a point of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. Move to this. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. Lord, I thank you that you have proclaimed forgiveness for each of us in our confession. And simply we receive that together. And Lord, those things we confess with our words but have yet not really become aware of in our hearts and minds, would you help us to reveal the depth of them that we would better enter into forgiveness and would you continue to change us and purify us? Lord, again, meet us on this new journey in these new days of fasting and being filled by you and of confession and being changed by you. I ask this in your name. Amen. What we're going to do to seal our time is there'll be three stations up here to receive the ashes. So you'll just come up when you're ready. We'll be worshiping. We have staff coming to do that. You guys can come and get ready for those. And you'll hear those words, turn from sin and be faithful to the gospel. And I don't want you to hear them as an admonition. I want you to hear them as an encouragement. The Lord said, turn from sin, be faithful to the gospel. I have more for you. And so as we worship, you come as you're ready. And then we'll give you a blessing as we finish this time together. Oh, search me to 
until there's nothing in it. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. Oh, oh, oh. You can have my heart. You can have my heart.
Amen. What a beautiful way to start off this season as we look towards Easter and remembering Jesus's life, his death, ultimately his resurrection. So glad that we got to be together tonight. So glad for those of you who joined us online. If you would just stretch your hands out for a benediction, a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. And over this next season that we walk together as a church leading up to Easter, may he fill you in new ways and may he change you in new ways. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. We love you, church. We'll see you Sunday at all of our campuses.